0: Welcome to Revitalize and Restart, a podcast dedicated to the discussion of church revitalization, restart, and renewal. We invite you to listen as a host and some of the best practitioners in the field of church revitalization and restart discuss issues facing the church in America. And now, here is your host, Dr. Steve Sells, author, conference speaker, and president of Operation Transformation. welcome to another
1: installment of revitalize and restart a podcast brought to you by operation transformation uh, church revitalization group in Salisbury North Carolina I'm dr. Steve Sales, your host and it's a pleasure again to have with us dr. Gordon pinfold we had a great great time in the last session it's continuing on uh, I'll just give you a quick synopsis of uh, dr. pinfold you you can go back and listen to the last, I hope you've listened to it already. Uh, he has a BS and an MS from Colorado State University, a Master of Theology from Dallas Seminary, a D. Men from Talbot Theological Seminary. He's pastored turnaround churches, done a lot of interims, uh, been involved in writing three books, uh, one of which is what we're talking about today, and that is this thing of restart churches, and Here's a, a picture of that book, and I hope that you'll go and, uh, and find that book. Maybe he can tell you exactly uh, how to find that book. It, uh, I know it, it's put out by Church Smart, uh, so you uh, maybe you can uh, talk about that for us here in a minute, Gordon. Uh, he also is Executive Director of Fresh Start Ministries at with Plateau, Declining, and Conflicted Churches. Uh, welcome again. And uh, we're going to continue on this thing. We were talking just a little bit ago. We may end up having to do several more on this whole subject of restarting the church. Today, we're going to continue our talk on the topic, but we're going to be looking at a question, what characteristics do you really look for in a restart pastor? Restart pastors are a different breed, uh, they are different from a church planter. They are different from the average pastor, and we want to talk about that today. So we're going to jump right into it. And 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 Dr. Penfold, uh, let's go into it. You share with us some things very quickly, if you might.
2: Okay. Well, thank you so much, and it's such a privilege to to join you. And you just need to know that uh, Dr. Sells and I uh, have hearts that beat after the. Uh, in the same way, we're very much, uh, uh, very, very much, uh, like one another, which is kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> so here's, here's a picture of the cover of the book, Restart Churches, a proven strategy to restore vibrant ministry in your church. Uh, this is a research based book. Uh, Gary Taylor, uh, did his D-Min on restart churches. It took him a long time. Uh, uh, but uh, with 45 churches, and then we have stories from many other churches that were not included in the actual restart uh, research pool. But this is available at Church Smart Resources, it's also available on Amazon, and it's just now available as a Kindle version. Uh, that just came out in the last couple of weeks. Very so, uh, today, what we would like to do is talk about um, what kind of pastor does it take to lead in revitalization, to lead a restart. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to bring Gary McIntosh. Gary was my mentor on my DMIN. And uh, this is out of his book, Taking Your Church to the Next Level, starts on page 95 and following. But he talks about five different kinds of pastors. A catalyzer is a church planter. He says only about 2 to 3% of the people in the country are natural church planters. And uh, then he talks about an organizer, and this is someone who follows the planner and organizes the systems so church planners generally are just kind of all over the place mm-hmm. um, all over the place, and uh you know they they just do things kind of on the fly, and the organizer comes in and follows the church planner and and gives them the uh ability to uh, to organize the systems and make things work really well. And the church continues to grow. Usually this is, uh, you know, on the up cycle of a a church. Then the operator pastor or a maintenance-oriented pastor uh, maintains the basic systems of a church. Andy Stanley says that uh, when uh, most pastors can go in and the best they can do is maintain what's there, Um, they might improve it a little bit, but most don't. And consequently, when things just start leveling off, they level off for a time, and then the church begins to decline. Yeah, uh, And that's just a natural uh, part of the cycle. Then the reorganizer is what Gary would call a turnaround pastor, and he said about 5% of the pastors are uh, reorganizing pastors. That is, uh, and if you think about the life cycle, at the top, that's when you want to do revitalizations yes. at the top of the life cycle. And then as you come down, uh, that's when you want to do a turnaround, and then as, as churches decline further towards death, that's when you do a restart. Restart, yes. Uh, and so, a reorganizer is a is a revitalization pastor, a turnaround pastor. Right. And then the super reorganizer is one that leads the rebirth of a dying congregation. He said only one to two percent of the people can do this. Now, this is where the restart pastors kind of fit. Yeah. And uh, if. You know, last time we talked about the steps that uh, churches go through and uh, the reorganizers, super super reorganizers are the kind of people that do that. Now, when Aubrey Malvers and I wrote the book, uh, Revision, the Key to Transforming Your Church, uh, we got together a number of associations and we asked the the denominational leaders, how many of your pastors are turnaround pastors? One of those was Bob Dean from the Dallas Baptist Association. One of them was... uh, Tarrant Baptist Association uh, Mm -hmm. at any rate uh, and we had people from all over the country. So out of 1,253 pastors, we found that 154 of them would be reorganizers or super reorganizers. So about 12%, a little higher percentage than what Gary McIntosh said, uh, but that this is based on some hard figures. And uh, so mm, uh, this is just a fascinating uh, thing to think about. Yes, yes. and first uh, lost my my trouble. We have um, in in Mark chapter one verse seventeen, Jesus said, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men." Yes. One of the things we do with Turnaround and Pastor Incorporated is we train pastors to become revitalizers. And we see about uh, 40 to 50% of the people that go through that actually become better at revitalization. Some people are just naturals. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started, I I, I went to the second church I pastored. The chairman of the board came to me and said, uh, Pastor, we're dying. We know we're dying. What do we need to do to turn this thing around? And I said, I don't know, Archie, but we'll do it together. And that's how I started with all of this. And uh, that's been a lot of years ago. So Jesus said, follow me, I will make you become fishers of men. And the emphasis in Mark one seventeen is on the process of transformation. Matthew 4.19, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. But Mark more emphasizes the process. And the good news is we can grow, and we should, grow in our leadership capacity and ability as we live. Yeah. Now, here are the characteristics of Restart Pastors. And this is not an exhaustive list by any means, but... My dissertation was entitled Defining Characteristics of Turnaround Pastors Among Evangelical Churches in the Rocky Mountain States. It was such a long title, it barely fit on the binding, which meant my, my subject was narrow enough. <laughs> and so I compared uh, revitalization pastors with those who did not and uh, found some very interesting things, and that turned into revision. Yes. And Aubrey and I did 146 pastors uh, who had served 285 churches, and they had served in every state in the Union, D.C., as well as all 10 Canadian provinces. So we had a real broad, uh, broad brushstroke there. But one of the things that we discovered is that there has to be security. Pastors have to be secure in who they are and in their position in Christ if they're going to be a revitalization yes. leader. Revitalization is one of the most difficult things any person can ever undertake. Yes. So there has to be pastoral security. I asked David Bowman of the Tarrant Baptist Association; uh, he's director of missions there. I said, "In your estimation, uh, what is the most limiting uh, factor that keeps people from being effective pastors?" And he said, "Insecurity." And I immediately said, "Bingo!" I had come to that same conclusion, but it was nice to hear somebody else. And David's a yeah. sharp guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so there has to be pastoral security. If you're insecure as a pastor, you're going to have trouble leading. Uh, revitalization. You cannot be a people. Oh, go ahead. In, involved in
1: that pastoral security thing. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Uh, would you really focus in on a couple of the real spiritual dynamics that are involved in this thing? Um, like it, it, the only way he can be secure is to have the kind of walk with Christ he ought to have. Yes. The kind of prayer life he ought to have. um yes the the kind of extreme faith. And you and I both know to be a turnaround pastor, to be a restart pastor, you got to be a person of faith. Yes. You can't do it any other way. And, um, and involved in that, what you mentioned a moment ago is he's got to have a hunger for souls. Yes. He's got to yeah. have a desire. So
2: uh, I just yeah. want to throw
1: that in. No, that was,
2: that's really good. And <laughs> most people don't think about that too much, but if, a, if a person's insecure, uh, then they won't be able to make the hard decisions. Right. And tied with that is they uh, cannot be a people pleaser. This is a verse that, that I, I really have come to love. First Thessalonians 2, 4. but <clears throat> As we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. Amen. And I'm telling you, there's a, there's something inside of each one of us that wants to please people. Yeah. But we have to say, I, I, I was, uh, the last church I pastored, I said, you know, I'm basically pretty insecure. And they said, you got to be kidding us. We can't believe you're insecure. And I said, yeah. You know, uh, and as we're young pastors especially, mm-hmm. it's, it's difficult because, you know, if I, if I ruffle the feathers, if I roil the waters, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> I might get fired. And the last church I pastored was, you can fire me if you want. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do. Yeah. So um,
1: that's You come it. to that point after a while, don't you?
2: <laughs> you yeah, do. I do. But even as a young man, uh, one of the churches I pastored, uh, the you know, last time we talked about those people, uh, the church said, yes, we want to reach our community. We started reaching a lot of people for Christ. and They started coming in the doors of the church, and it really made them uncomfortable uh, because they didn't want those people. Yeah. Oh, man, does that, that get me up? You know, hmm. that, that gets me up in the flesh real fast. If I'm Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sir. Yes, yeah, right. So, I do. And then um, next, uh, we have to uh, exhibit those biblical leadership characteristics. That's what you were just talking about. Yeah. You know, if, uh, if you look at 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 and 1 yeah. Peter 5, if those are not true of you, you cannot be a good, solid leader. That's right, and uh, and if you are, then you're saying, you know, we're going to serve the Lord as opposed to just serving the people. Yeah. Um, so the the one church I was in, we just kept reaching people for Christ. We just put our shoulders to the to the traces and pulled, and uh, we didn't let anybody stop us. You know, it was like Nehemiah building the walls. There was a lot of opposition, but they just kept building. Right right now uh competence best uh, personal uh personality practices the how of ministry and this is the focus of uh pastor unique the key to transforming church. we really focused in and Aubrey and I did it a bit we used the desk in myers briggs but the uh we used the Berkman method for the um, um personality best practices, and we found some stunning um, things first off, we found that uh you have to be better leaders, and by that we mean. You have to be more tell than suggest. This was a shock to us. We figured that people wanted, uh, you know, kind of a nice, milquetoast kind of a leader. But what we discovered is that the most effective leaders were more tell than suggest. Mm-hmm. Now they were not steamrollers, mm-hmm. uh, but they would they would say state what they wanted. And what we found is the maintenance pastors tend to come in and say, well, what do you think? I don't know. What do you think? Well, I don't know. What?" Do and nobody ever gets anything done because nobody it's ever right. wants to say what they're thinking. It's right. But the revitalization leader will say, this is the path. Walk ye in it. You know, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. So more tell than suggest. Yeah. And uh, there was let me,
1: a... Red... Let, me, let me throw in something there on that. Sure. So, go ahead. Uh, more tell than suggest. Uh There was a pastor friend of mine that I knew one time, and this this is kind of comical, but it it points out what you're saying. This guy would stand up every Sunday morning, and he would say to the congregation, is everybody here comfortable? Are you too hot? Are you too cold? (laughs) That's such a dumb question to ask the congregation to begin with. And he was trying to be a people pleaser, but at the same time, uh You don't suggest things like that to people, and then have to come around and reset the heat or reset that oh, yeah. that kind of nonsense.
2: Because if when you reset it, somebody else is going to be upset. That's it. That's you it. Never, you can never please everybody. So you
1: just you just go about pleasing the Lord. Period. Yes. And you know, as a,
2: as a young pastor, we'd have people come in and say, "You know, what the old church we used to do this, we do that." They move. They'd move into yeah. town. And I finally said, well, you know, this is who we are, and this is what we're doing. And uh, that what you did at your old church is not what we're doing here. And if you can't live with that, you just need to know it coming in. And some back to the old church. Yeah, well, it, I mean, they, they may have moved in town from, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, out of town. Yeah, yeah. But, and then if they're coming from another church in town and they had some problems, and say, you know, you better go back and fix up the problems you had at your <laughs> former you church before you come here. <laughs> there you go. We don't, we don't want your problems here. There <laughs> you go. We've got enough of our own. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: But again, that goes back to pastoral security.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure does. It sure does.
2: And then uh, we found that the um, the revitalization pastors are restless. They're not, they're not content with the status quo. Amen. Uh, And so this is, this is a little bit, yeah, we we would say that restart is kind of a combination between church planting and church revitalization Mm -hmm. and church planters come in and they, they're all over the place. And sometimes the revitalization leaders have to be the same. There's a restlessness that needs to come. And then uh, we found that they were also high freedom people. They initiate their own course and need freedom in action and thought. If you want to get me upset, you just try and put me in your box to tell me to do what you want done. And I will push back uh, great uh, energy. Yes, sir. And uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're saying. And then this is, this is one that really, we figured that revitalization leaders, uh, restart pastors and so on, or more ready, fire, aim kind of people. <laughs> yeah. And we found that was absolutely the opposite. They're cautious but decisive. And this showed up in their Berkman profiles that they, uh, when there are difficult decisions that have to be made and choices that have to be made, they ponder and think significantly before they act But then they act. They're not afraid to pull the trigger, but they're more like, ready, aim. Let's make sure we're ready. Let's aim again. Let's make sure we're on target. If we do this, what will happen? And then, okay, now we're ready to shoot. So they were cautious but decisive.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And then uh, they were competent, uh, best personality practices of the wood of ministry. So they were inspiring communicators on multiple levels. They were good communicators. We found that the, the and this was this was a surprise to us as well, that uh, the revitalization pastors had a much higher musical score than the, than the maintenance oriented hmm. pastors, and what that what it means is they had an ear for sound, and some oh. of them are not singers or musicians at all, yeah. but they have an ear for what sounds good, okay. and they have an ear for what kind of a worship service you you need to have. So yeah. uh, so inspiring communicators on multiple levels. Visionary leaders, and again, I read this last time. I got a bit ahead of myself, but uh, from J. Oswald Sanders. But yeah, you have to you have to see the future. You have to see the future. Well, this this
1: thing of this thing of visionary leadership. I, you know, we talked about this a little while ago uh, before we started recording um, about the fact that uh, what Maxwell says is everything rises and falls. On leadership, and and I, the only thing that I would change about that is everything rises and falls on visionary leadership, yes. transformational leadership, and yes. that's what I see visionary being is transformational. <clears throat> you know, you can you can have all of the leadership skills in the world, uh, but if you're not transformational in that leadership, um, yes. nothing's going to happen. And uh, I, what I'm finding, you see, I went to to a conference. Uh, in Lexington, Kentucky, some many years ago. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand what it was to be a visionary leader. I I really didn't. I went into churches pastoring and went in as a status quo. But uh, when I went to this conference, it was a whole week long, I learned very quickly that if I didn't have a vision of what God wanted for my church, nobody else was going to have it. Mm-hmm. and that God would show me and, and, and lead me And after went through that process of, of understanding that vision, came back and, and had a real vision for that congregation, and the church began to blossom and grow. It's a good church yes. to begin with, but yes. visionary leadership is so important to this whole thing.
2: Oh, a- absolutely, and uh, you have to see what others cannot see. Yes. You have to see a preferred future. Yes, that can and must take place. That can and must. Yes. So there is there is a sense of urgency. There's yes. a sense of unction from on high that we best we have to do this. Well, you know,
1: the process that I found about this thing of visionary leadership is, number one, God has a vision for every church. He does. God God has a desire for every church. Yes. Now, if the if the leader will seek His face. God will impart that vision to the leader. That leader can then impart that vision and draw in the congregation, and then the congregation lives out that vision to a lost and dying mm-hmm. world, and the church thrives. Yes, and and uh, you know, visionary leadership is so important.
2: Ab- absolutely, that's why we wrote revision. <laughs> that's why. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, if you think about Nehemiah, yeah, Nehemiah heard. Uh, the the uh, reports and it broke his heart. It crushed him. Uh, so he prayed for three months and then he went before the king and then he went to the people, surveyed the city. And then he said, hey, this, this is where you are. And it struck. He, he cast a vision. Yes, uh, and, and Rick Warren talks about the fact that uh, vision has about a 26 day life because halfway through the building process, people got discouraged and Nehemiah had to reinvigorate them and uh, as Rick Warren says, you know, vision leaks. So we just have to kind of cause, and I just, I, I just say, you know, we need to reinforce that virtually every week in our church. Yes. Absolutely. Every other week at the least. Absolutely. So visionary leadership is absolutely essential. And yes. just like Elisha, uh, his servant saw the enemy. Elisha saw God.
1: Yes, and that's right. what,
2: that's what we have. We have to see what God's about and join him in his work. Amen. And then above average people skills. Now you think about Nehemiah. He got upset with people, and he was plucking the hair off of their beards. Now, that's pretty, pretty radical, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was a pretty intense guy. Yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that we need to do that, but we need to have good people skills. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, Gary Wester, one of my partners, says, you know, there's a cringe factor. Sometimes pastors say, say things, and it just makes people cringe. Uh-huh. We, have to, we have to avoid those kinds of things like the plague. And then uh, we have to be better at developing new leaders. Uh, I, as a young pastor, I'd say, Lord, send us leaders, send us leaders. And finally dawned on me that perhaps God wanted me to develop my own, and then we could send them out. And that's what began to happen. Yeah. Yes. So we building, to... building a team is important. Oh, absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. And if we're going to do a restart then the best thing we can do is develop somebody else who can go out and do the same thing again, so we begin to multiply ourselves. Right. The, the Apostle Paul's vision was to preach the gospel, mm-hmm. plant churches, mm-hmm. develop leaders, who in turn would go out, preach the gospel, plant churches, develop yes. leaders, and that's what drove him.
1: Yes, and,
2: uh, and so that should be, we should have something like that in our toolbox as well. Absolutely. And then number six, they have to be coachable. You and I have talked a bit about this. Uh, if people are not coachable then it 's you you can 't do anything with them you 're shaking your head no would expound on that a little bit my brother well it just i so 've
1: run into so many pastors that that wanted to they had a desire, but they didn 't have the desire to learn how yes i mean you know i i some guys if you even even with just major uh revitalization projects i mean to be a revitalization pastor takes skills and but some guys are not coachable enough Mm -hmm. to to be
2: able to ever do that right you agree with that absolutely when we train pastors in boot camps you can almost pick out yeah those that are going to do well and those that are not yeah and those that are not you can tell them to do stuff and and you come back you may try and coach them you come back did you do this well no
1: Well, the coachability and the teachability, I mean, that goes hand in hand. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. If
1: if, if they're not willing to learn it, uh, they're, they're going to fall flat on their face. Oh,
2: without, without question. Yeah. And, and and even, um, those who are skilled, well, there's, I've done a a number of face plants, spiritual face plants in my life. I've, I've blown it. And, uh, that's just the reality, but, uh, Winston Churchill said the definition of success is uh, uh, after failure you get up without lack of enthusiasm. I, that's not exactly the quote, but yeah, yeah. Uh, failure, I mean, success is the ability to get up after failure and um, just go at it again yeah. uh, with, without loss of enthusiasm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's not quite the quote. But yeah, uh, yeah. And then the last characteristic I put down, and there's many, many, uh, but is courage. Oh, wow. Wow and I like the thing true grit yes you know uh, people have to possess a backbone for ministry yes, and if they don't uh, and they they're insecure uh, they're not going to do real well so those are those are some those are seven things that uh, with some subpoints that uh, we see are essential for uh, to, to be a revitalization leader to be a uh, a restart pastor yeah and a lot of times people say, Well, I can do a restart or I can do revitalization. Mm. Well, if you don't have the skill set and you're not willing to develop the skill set, you you will not succeed. No.
1: No.
2: You talked about one church that had been there for two years and the church had grown to about twenty. Uh-huh. And uh that's just uh, that's not that's not acceptable.
1: Yeah.
2: Now if if you're uh out in each mule shoe, uh um, Colorado, and there's 40 people out there, and you grow a church to 20, that's pretty significant. One of the guys that uh, was in my research pool for uh, Pastor Unique was uh, in uh, Claremont, Wyoming, uh, population um, 114. Wow. When he arrived at the church, there were fifteen people in it, but he didn't see that as a problem. He saw the harvest field and they grew to an average attendance of seventy five in a town of hundred and fourteen. Wow and uh, Resurrection Sunday one year they had a hundred and ten.
1: Good gracious,
2: yeah, almost thinking, the whole
1: population
2: oh yeah, and I think one of uh, gary Gary Westrow, one of my partners said he's my new favorite pastor <laughs> but then a lot of people would tell him, and he, "This is out in farming, ranching country in northwestern or northeastern Wyoming," and uh, a lot of people would say, "Well, Pastor, we'll come to church someday." Well, just before he left, he advertised next Sunday as Sunday Sunday, oh. and they had 130 people on someday Sunday Sunday. Wow. wow! In a town of 114. So part of it is you know you have to see the harvest, yeah, yeah. and then you have to have to say, "Lord, by Your grace, let's yeah. let's uh, let's." Bring in the harvest. Doesn't, doesn't it really
1: come down to one thing, and that is if you're going to be a restart pastor, don't you really have to have a calling to do that? And, and to a point of of knowing that God wants you to do this yes. rather than something you want to do. Yes.
2: I I think of gifting. I I think, you know, the two sides of the same coin, calling and gifting. Yeah. Um, uh, I I remember one guy uh, was out one time and he was, and you've, you've heard the story, I'm sure, but he was out in the field. He was a farmer and he looked up and he saw the clouds formed to PC and he thought, boy, God's calling me to preach Christ. (laughs) So I went to Bible college and he came out and he was about six weeks into the church. A deacon came up to him and said, are you sure you're supposed to be a pastor? And he told him the story and he said, the deacon looked at him and said, Do you suppose God was going to tell you to plant corn? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, my so, so uh, yeah. at any rate that so I, I think you're right. Uh, uh, there there has to be some hard wiring. Yeah. And uh we talk uh in revision about uh our divine design. Mm-hmm. Direction and development, and it takes all three, and where those three intersect, that's our sweet spot. Yeah, and I I, I was a revitalization pastor for a long time, I just didn't know that's what I was, should be called <laughs> because it just happened, right? And I, I kind of knew what to do. Yeah. Um, and like that second church, the pat uh, or the chairman of the board said, We're dying, what do we need to do to turn around? I said, I don't know, but we'll do it together, and we did, yeah. And this was in a small church in a small, shrinking community, and the church grew, yeah. and we saw people come to Christ
1: amen you say
2: hallelujah
1: well brother our time's gone again (laughs) well you know you need to get a new watch (laughs) (laughs) we got about two minutes before we run out of our 28 minutes that i do the recording i want you if you would to give us one real good thought to walk away with if say there's a young man out here, and he's saying, wow, well, I really think God could use me to be a restart pastor. What would you say to that young man?
2: I think uh, you need to, to, to take a hard look at your life and ministry and see if God has wired you that way. I would even encourage them to do some assessing. Uh, that's what we do with Turnaround Pastors. Uh uh, I, I know that a lot of church planning groups do assessment, but I think we need to do more and more assessment for revitalization leaders because it is hard work. And if God is is moving you that direction and calling you to that, uh, then uh, get all the training you possibly can because it's hard work. You now, if you're going to play in the NFL, you you better be in shape, and you better yes. be, you better train for that. And if you're going to be in revitalization, that's much more of a challenge than being in the NFL. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you best be prepared, uh, prepare yourself, and ask God for wisdom and direction as you lead it. And may your tribe increase, because there's definitely the need for uh, yeah. restart and revitalization pastors. Yeah. Huge need. Yeah. If if
1: someone wanted to get in touch with you, Dr. Pinfold, how would they do that?
2: Okay, just uh go to um, well uh just uh Gordon Penfold at turnaroundpastor.com. dot com. Just Gordon Penfold, G-O-R-D-O-N, P-E-N-F-O-L-D, at turnaroundpastor.com. You'll get you'll get in touch with me there. Amen. You can look up Turnaround Pastors uh, on the website. You can look up Fresh Start Ministries, either one, you can get in touch with me through those. And, but uh, uh,
1: one of the great things you guys are doing is is these boot camps and that kind of thing, and I would encourage anyone to contact you, and uh, if they have a heart for this stuff, to to contact you mm-hmm. and get
2: involved. Yeah, and with the, with the boot camps, we do uh, we do assessment, training, and coaching, Amen. and those are three essentials uh, for anybody in ministry.
1: Amen. 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 Well, it's all gone. Now, I I know we're going to come back and talk again later about some more topics, but um, our time is gone, and I just want to thank you, Dr. Penfold, for taking this time to be with us, and I know every listener has been blessed by what you've shared, and um, I hope a lot of church leaders have been listening and and uh, maybe there's some young men out there that's been that's listening to this thing and they are saying you know hey i need to contact this guy i need to see if god can use me in this way and uh, i just encourage them to do it for those of you that are listening uh, today if you heard something that'll help you uh help you lead your church help you uh, uh lead your congregation to a, a higher level let us know and uh Tell your friends about our our ministry and this podcast. And uh, be sure that you go in and subscribe and and like the podcast. We really would appreciate it. And this is Dr. Steve Sells along with uh, Dr. Gordon Penfold saying thanks for listening. and My prayer is that uh, something we have said today will help you as you try to help your church along the way. God bless you and thank you for tuning in.
0: Thanks for joining us for Revitalize and Restart. Make sure to visit our website, www.operation-transformation.org, and subscribe to our show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Don't forget to join us next time, and again, thanks for listening.